the core cast. Gaiden! Welcome to Shoot the Corecast Gaiden, the companion podcast to the companion podcast to the RF Generation Shmup Club. This is the family-friendly Shmup-themed podcast that asks you to rank your rank without increasing your rank. From RFGeneration.com, I am Metal Fro, and with me, as always, is... Addicted. Alrighty, and as I mentioned, RFGeneration.com, that is... Uh, what our site is, or what our podcast is affiliated with, and uh, it's a great website where you can catalog your game collection. We have forums where you can come and have good discussions about things. We have the Shmup Club playthroughs that you can join us with, or the regular community playthrough. There are multiple podcasts associated with the site, uh, including ours, and uh, we also have an active Discord channel that you can come chat with us at, so... Lots of good stuff there. Make sure you check it out, rfgeneration.com. Two things to add to that real quick. Right now at RF Generation, we are continuing the NES challenge that started in 2019. They are getting close to beating every licensed NES game. If you'd like to join that, please stop on by. And everything on the website, including all participation, is free. Yes, it is free. Alrighty, so... This is, uh, as I mentioned at the top here, a Gaiden episode. So instead of covering a, you know, going a deep dive on a game like we normally do, this time we decided just to do a kind of a top five shmups of 2019. And by that I mean, based on all the, all 12 of the games that we played during the course of the year, what are our picks for the top five out of those games? Uh, so we thought this would be a fun exercise, you know, people either love top lists or they hate top lists or whatever. I don't care about any of that. I just figured it'd be fun to look back at the games that we played and kind of rank them and see where they fall. So I'll go ahead and start and say that my number five pick for uh, the games that we played during 2019 is Strikers 1945-2. Now, I had some difficulty with this game when I was playing through it, and I've always had difficulty with it, but I've always had difficulty with Psycho Shmups. And I mentioned on that podcast that Strikers 1945-2 was actually the very first Saturn import that I ever bought. It was the first import game that I ever bought. So uh, for me, 
it kind of holds a special place in my heart and in my collection for that reason. But I've always had a hard time with this game because of it sort of existing in that space where it's not a traditional shmup like a, like a 1943 or something like that, but it's not a bullet hell. It kind of exists in that mid to late 90s space where we started to get the emergence of these manic shooters that um, were faster and more frenetic than a traditional shoot 'em up that you might see on consoles and in arcades, but it wasn't it wasn't Batsugan, it wasn't Dodonpachi, you know, it wasn't walls and walls of bullets. It was just lots of bullets and very fast coming at you with a lot of hazards and, you know, stuff that you had to dodge. Plus the Psycho thing where the levels change in what order you play them in through the first few stages. And so it really mixes things up and, and um, keeps you guessing. <laughs> so, yeah, Strikers 1945 2 um, is still, still a game that I struggle with and still a game that I have never really been able to get good at. But I recognize the quality and I recognize what a lot of other people see in it. Um, and so that is my number five. All right. My pick for number five is Gradius 3. I'd have to say both versions are about equal. In my opinion, even though the arcade version is extremely hard. <clears throat> I had a lot of fun playing the any Super NES version, which was the first time I tried it. I liked the different choice of options and the different ways that people were dealing with the challenges. Some people preferred the rotating options or the wheel options, while other people preferred using more of the S-foil type options on there. And it was good to see that everybody was f sort of finding a groove that worked for them. The one that really stood out to me had to be the arcade difficulty on it. It was, I hate to use this analogy, but it was very Dark Souls punishing. It, mm. Or maybe the better analogy in here would be R-type punishing. Is it really forced you to memorize the stages and the patterns and know your routing. And I think that really helps me with what, stuff like what we're playing now with Ketsui, where you have to focus on exactly where you're going to be and where the ship's going to be. It's certainly not manic, but every movement has... It, it's like in Castlevania, where every movement has to be planned and every movement has to be deliberate. And I think that's what really drew me to it, especially the arcade version. Hmm. It's like our type, a game where when you see it played masterfully... It's amazing. And I've gone back to it, and I've still gotten my butt kicked by it several times. <laughs> <clears throat> but but the ability to take something hard, to grasp it, and to make it your own, and say, I defeated that, is a great accomplishment. And it's something that I hope to be able to say one day that I finished Gradius 3 Arcade. Nice. I'm surprised that you had not played the Super NES version prior to the... You know what? I owned it for years. I have a box copy I got back in, oh, 
2007, 2006. Nice. And it, it just, it sat there. <laughs> Until we started the Shmup Club, I was very, very casual. I had played, of course, Gradius and <laughs> seen stuff with Gradius 2. I had played a little bit of R-Type, but I didn't go deep. And so sure. I didn't, it wasn't something that I started like, it's, it's like if somebody were to go up and go, oh, pinball machine, nice. But you don't go into the scoring mechanics or how stuff works. You just, t- you just take a top level overview. And it's something that I'm really thankful for us doing this project is to be able to do a deeper dive and be able to explain why this is important and what this does. And it's uh, give me a new appreciate appreciation for watching Gus with his Futari runs, <laughs> or watching you know this the old lady with a duck who was uh, <laughs> not sure if you saw this, but the lady who was doing a oh I think she was on her fourth or fifth loop. She was definitely past the the first loop on Gradius, and she was of course going for score. But every time she get to hard part, she would pet this rubber ducky that she had for, you know as a way of uh, calming her nerves and helping her through the tough spots was that footage from a japanese arcade yes it was okay i think i might have seen that clip yeah <laughs> but it, it, the shmup games like pinball there's a part where you just sort of get in the zone and you can drop everything around you and it's just you and the either the bullets or the or the pattern, and it's that feeling that I love, and I, I get that in Gradius Three. But I, I mean, we'll get into it more so with my first pick. But I, especially with cave games, I get that on there, and eventually I hope to try it with Toho. But that feeling you get when you're just you against the machine, and you you just see the patterns. You see where you're supposed to go. That the feeling isn't unlike anything else. Nice. All right. Well, my number four, funny enough, is Gradius Three. But I'm going to be specific and say the Super NES version. Um, the arcade version. I I understand and appreciate why you like it, um, but it frustrated me so much that I think it's one of those games that I would maybe have to come back to after boosting my skill level and maybe after playing some of the other Gradius games and getting good enough at them that I I felt like I could come back to it and make some progress because it's just so punishing that I couldn't I couldn't deal with it but I was surprised I always used to think that Gradius on the Super NES was really, really difficult, and I could never hard I could hardly ever make it out of the first stage. Well, realistically, it's just a matter of learn enough about the enemy patterns and know what your path is in terms of powering up to be able to kind of get through that first stage, and then you kind of start to get a rhythm. And other than other than the speed trap and the uh, the walkers there in what was it stage seven or, or something like that um, other than those two spots I mean those are really my sticking points 
Uh, once I knew where, what I needed to do with the speed trap, um, you know, I, I I was able to get through it. And in fact, um, with uh, with Vic Viper Mark II and his help um, that he you know did on stream with me that one time, he kind of showed me where all the the bonus areas were and how to access them. And there's so much more. There's so much more content, I think, in Gradius 3 for the Super Famicom, Super Nintendo. And I know people complain about the slowdown, whatever, that's an old thing. For me, I appreciate the slowdown because it helps to weed through stuff, wade through stuff. It would be fun to play the SA1 version, and I may at some point see about, you know, buying a repro cart with the SA1 mod done so that I will have a, a no slowdown version, but I just appreciate how how good the game looks, how well it plays overall, slowdown notwithstanding, and the soundtrack in the game is really good. But I think it's it's just better balanced than the arcade version, and it's not nearly as punishing, which I think helps because it's the home version. So yeah, Gradius 3 for the Super Nintendo is my number four pick. Excellent. Maybe to beat the arcade version of Radius on there, we just need to take the red pills to be able to see the Matrix. <laughs> uh, something like that. All right. My fourth pick is Einhonda. <clears throat> this was a game that I picked up upon its release, or I should say imported upon its release, mm. from a friend's game store way, way back when it released and was pleasantly surprised because I looked at it and wasn't quite sure what it was. Here, I knew that Square Enix and they made some pretty good games and I had, at that time, had picked up Final Fantasy VII, the import version, and a couple other stuff. But this game blew me away with its adaptability, with the arm, the uh, fight between the Earth and the Moon, its soundtrack, Everything about this game oozed style. And revisiting it, it still does. It's one of these titles that, for me, it's an evergreen shmup. I could fire this up any day. And even though it can get frustrating in some parts, like the stage four with the uh, water ducks. Yeah. Those birds, yeah. The unlockability is on there. The fact that the bosses have interesting timeouts. There's just so much to like about this. It's it's definitely not a hidden gem, so no nobody use that. <laughs> Everyone knows that behind it. Uh, but it, I would use the word lost treasure. It's, not in there. It, it's something that should have gotten a sequel. They should have experimented and should have been a one-off. It's right for them to revisit now with stuff such as the Switch and the Rise of the Indies. I would love to see, even if they port it to the eShop, and maybe they do a remake or add a little bit more levels, do something with it. Because it's too good to leave it behind. Agreed. And uh, that's why it's my number three pick. <laughs> yeah, Einhander, I was lucky enough to get into this game and find out about it early on. Back in the early days of the Shmup forums, I know there was some buzz about this game, and it ended up being the either the second or third Shmup that I ever bought for the PlayStation. Uh, I know the first was Raystorm, 
because I had heard about it and seen it, and uh, it happened to be at the the game store that I went to uh, at that time. Uh, but yeah, Einhunder I picked up relatively early in my PlayStation collecting back kind of when I got the system in, I think, 99 or 2000, whatever it was. And so this is one that I knew about pretty early on, and I never really got very good at it, but I always appreciated all the nice little graphical touches. Uh, the soundtrack is is great, and it's one that I've listened to on repeat for years. The weapon system is a cool idea, and I think it's relatively well implemented. I mean, we've gone over all this on the, the Einhunder episode, so definitely go listen to that if you haven't already, because uh, there's a lot to like about the game. And I still think it holds up pretty well. I, I still would like to would like to go back and get a legit uh, clear of the game on a single credit, but yeah, it's definitely well worth your time. So Einhander is my my number three pick. Well said. And my th- number three pick is actually a tie between two games. Blazing Lasers with the Tex Mexium and Strikers <laughs> 1945-2. Blazing Lasers was one that everyone kept telling me that I should like. And I never sat down to figure out if I did. And I have to say, I do like it, but I think for me, it didn't quite live up to the lofty hype or the pedestal which it's been set to. It is it is a very good game, and I, I but the stages for me go on maybe just a little bit too long, and the music has all music loops on there, but after a while, it just started to grade into me a little bit. But in the end, I would rate it as a very good game. It's just, it has enough variety. I like the compile system that's in place that moved over from Xanic. It does a very good job. Nothing on here felt like I was ever my fault. I should say, it always felt like my fault. It didn't feel like it was the game's mechanics cheating me. I like the corny plot that went with it. And it did a good job for TurboGrafx-16. However, as I mentioned before, the stage is going for a little bit too long. The music is repeated enough that it creates just a little bit of jarriness. And there are so many good shooters on the TurboGrafx-PC engine that when placed there, it knocks it down just a little bit. Sure. You have Super Star Soldier, Air Zonk. <clears throat> there, I re- really like the um, Nexer. Mm. It's on there. There's there's just a just so many good stuff on the, that platform. It's on there now. Strikers, it's a, it was one of those games that, like all Sekio games, it kicks my butt pretty fast. But it was such a great improvement over Strikers 1945 in the variety that you got in there. And the, if you remember in our playthrough, all the different ways that people were finding the to try, like, hey, try this ship, it does this. Or try this ship that does... It's like the uh, balsa wood with the uh, mosquito. Oh, yeah. The ship that people are oh, this plane secondary fire is great, but it's extremely fast, and if you don't can't handle it, you'll get shot down. Or dealing with the... I mean, who could forget the flying pancake? And that's such a great name for a ship. And the... 
1945 2 fixed the biggest problem of 1945, and that is everybody, every plane acted the same. They all had the same lock on the one that you got with the P 51 Mustang. Mm, right. And the change, and this fact that the stages changed, and how you attacked those stages changed with each of the different planes made it really click together and work, even if it kicked my butt. <laughs> All right, good stuff. Well, my number two choice is a game that I had heard of and knew about, but had not played until shortly before we played it for the Shmup Club, and it was one that I had heard good things about, but didn't really have much of a frame of reference for. But it grew on me very fast, and I grew to really, really enjoy it. And that is Crimson Clover. This was a game that I had heard the name a few times, and I knew that it was something that was well-liked, well-regarded, etc., but I just hadn't picked it up on Steam, and, and it was something that I was on my list, but I just hadn't got it yet. And when we had Mark MSX from the Electric Underground podcast on, and um, he was saying on one of his videos the other day that it was last year or the year before, whatever it was, that that uh, the game was on sale for some ridiculous price, like $1.50 or whatever. He bought multiple codes and he was giving them away to people because the game is just so good. And I was one of the people that he gave a code to because he was like, yeah, you got to check out this game. So because of that, we put it in the list for the Shmup Club last year. And I'm really glad that we did because that game got its hooks in me. And I really, really like it. And I think it's a it's a fantastic game. It's got a great soundtrack. It's awesome graphics. Very tight gameplay from uh, the developer Clover Tack, who is you know a skilled shmup player, someone who understands and knows the genre, and understands the the bullet hell mentality. And it's just really a, a work of art, as far as I'm concerned. And it's a game that. I have really enjoyed and definitely want to go back to at some point, especially now that I've got my arcade stick and uh, potentially have, uh, you know, a better handle on some of the mechanics now that I, I would love to go back to that and, and finally get a, a legit clear on the arcade uh, mode normal difficulty. Uh, and so, yeah, Crimson Clover for me was, was number two. Excellent. Well, mine is going to be Thunder Force 4, also known as Lightning Force. This game, I had had this game in my collection for at least seven or eight years, and it fired up a little bit now. It, this game is really hard. I mean, it gives you a brutal first impression, but the music on this game is fantastic. <clears throat> Absolutely love it, and the this game came this close to being my number one pick. It was just edged out for... Well, I'll get into that in a moment. <clears throat> Thunder Force 4, after playing a little bit and getting close to the mechanics and learning <clears throat> where stuff comes out... Again, this... If you haven't figured it out by now, um, some of my favorite types of shooters are Danmaku, which are bullet hell, <clears throat> and games where you have to memorize routes, such as R-Type, 
Here, uh, in Thunder Force 4 is one of those ones where you you need memorization in order to figure out the best routes and what weapons are going to work with what. And it was just like a big juicy steak I could sink my teeth into. And it's just, oh, just everything was, you had the great music, you had the right weapons on here, the graphics grab your intention for being bright and colorful without reaching the uh, em, without reaching the cutem up territory and you, you always feel like you were just there or you could push forward just a little bit more I mean the water level with the branching pass I think that's uh, six I think it is <laughs> that was on there really stuck out as me as you it's got you narrowing the navigating cor corridors on there and you can choose whether to go the harder path or which is the upper path or the lower path which is the easier path or the giant space armada where you're you're fighting the enemy that's plagued you for so long and then it goes away just to come back later on when a giant fight near the end the first four stages that you can play with the sand on there with really cool parallax effects on there with the sand, the sand stage you even stuff such as the space fleet overhead it was just really well done. I mean, everything about this great game screams quality. And it, it's just, it's, if you were to name the top 10 shmups, this for me would be at least within the, t the top five every time. This game knows what it wants, knows what it is, and executes it beautifully. Well said. Well, before we get into our number one, uh, I thought we would uh, just kind of make an honorable mention of a game that didn't quite make the list, but still still bears recognition of some kind. And so for me, my honorable mention game for the year was Ghostblade. And specifically, I'm going to say Ghostblade HD. Um, the original Dreamcast release is reasonably good. You know, it's a solid con uh, initial effort from uh, an indie developer in the style, you can kind of see the uh, the Dodonpachi inspiration in it, although um, it's sort of uh, very much a Dodonpachi light kind of approach, you know, that doesn't have the complex scoring or anything like that. It's just, um, just kind of using a lot of the same type of things in terms of large, slower bullet patterns and stuff that you have to weave through, smaller hitbox, etc. But the HD version, at least, I think cleans up the game nicely, makes it look better. Uh, the alternate soundtrack from Sarah Flash, I think, really ties the game together better and gives it a more cohesive feel. Uh, and I mentioned this on the podcast episode. I think the game hits its stride in stage three, because that's the one where I feel like you have the most consistent, the most consistent route through the level and the best flow of any of the stages. If the rest of the game were as strong as the as the flow is in stage three, I think it could have been a, a major contender for, you know, a good Western developed Danmaku. I think it's it's a it's a reasonable effort from a developer that heretofore had not had any experience doing Danmaku games. Um, now, as we record this, the uh, 
the, the Switch version has been released physically. Copies are in the mail, and uh, they're starting to arrive. Mine hasn't got here yet, so I don't know. Uh, I haven't had the chance to tear into mine yet. But, um, but yeah, I, I think... I think it's good enough that it's worth a look, and it's something that would be interesting to see if if they ever decide to follow it up with a sequel or do something else in that vein. Because I think if they learned if they learned enough from de- developing the game, maybe we could see another effort from from Hughcast that might be uh, a step up. Who knows? Yeah, I definitely agree that having Sarah Flash's soundtrack in there to provide a more cohesive audio experience, especially on stage three when you start up with the original soundtrack in that mosquito solo that starts out, that, that <laughs> really grated on my ears. And I know Raphael Dill can do a great soundtrack there. I've heard of some of his other work, and it just really weird choices in there. I. But at, at any rate, um, I did like the game. I didn't put it on my list because there's just too much that was going on with the recent changes made to the soundtrack. That, especially with the Dreamcast, sorry, not the Dreamcast, with the Switch release, that in my personal opinion, I didn't think were for the better. Sure. But I could see why you put it on there. Now, as far as my honorable mention, that had to go to Zanuck, or rather the version of Zanuck I played, and that was Zanuck Neo on Zanuck Cross Zanuck. That game just has so many different options, and it's really a very good facelift to the original Zanuck game. I like the three different ships that you can play from, and playing with the different weapon choices, a different number of, you know, the the start of the great compile system that we would later see in <clears throat> excuse me later see in games such as Blazing Lasers it just does such a good job at updating it and it's a shame that it's sort of the Zanuck Neo isn't available on something like the eShop and it's locked behind this really expensive PlayStation 1 release I especially like that those who are good enough or uh, had a cheat code can unlock the Zanuck ship, which itself was sort of the original Zanuck ship, which was sort of a cheat mode in itself. But if you can, if you can afford the about $125 price tag for Zanuck Neil or Zanuck Cross Zanuck, it's definitely worth a chance at playing to see what an updated facelift looks like when done right. So really appreciate compiling this, and e- even though the NES version on this really kicked my butt repeatedly. I think it's a seminal title. Absolutely. Yeah, I just wish I would have uh, figured out how to get my my PS3 streaming properly so that I could have streamed Zanuck Neo and, and played it a little bit during the month because I, I was able to pick it up on PSN for just a few bucks. And so I'm definitely going to have to go back to that. Well, my number one game, I, I think for anybody who has followed this podcast, anyone who's followed my content, be it my my blog or my YouTube channel or this podcast, whatever, it should be no surprise what my number one game is. What game could possibly be better than Crimson Clover that we played last year? And for me, 
it's always going to be Thunder Force 4. And specifically, I'm going to say Lightning Force. You know, I know some shmup purists prefer Thunder Force 4 because it's the Japanese version. That's the original version. You know, that's that's what the developers made initially, and then changes were made for the North American release. Whatever. I find Lightning Force to be slightly more balanced. You know, not not quite as punishing. Uh, but either way, it's an excellent game. The graphics are phenomenal. The music is phenomenal. I have so much nostalgia for this game that it's hard for me to hard for me to look at it objectively. But I think even even with all the, even with the, all the nostalgia that I have tied to it, I still think objectively speaking, it is a really good game with good level design that's more open and more balanced than its predecessor. The weapon system is awesome. The addition of the of the upgraded claw or craw is awesome with the thunder sword. I can't say enough good things about the soundtrack. And I am so thrilled now to finally have the soundtrack on vinyl that Data Discs put out. Um, you know, having that in a physical format besides just the game cartridge itself. But there's just so much to like about it. And it's going to take a, a truly great experience to ever take that off the top of my, of my list of shmups. Having said that, I don't think it's not. I don't think it's impossible that some game might come along someday and and uh, make me rethink that. But for now, Thunder Force Four and Lightning Force still reign supreme, uh, and so it will remain my number one shmup for me, my favorite of all time, and certainly takes the top spot for 2019. I still got that soundtrack playing in my head. <laughs> Excellent. For me, my top, or should I say my top pick for 2019 has to go to Crimson Clover. I was watching Mark's video recently on what shmup would be a good starter shmup for people, and he came to the conclusion of Toho based upon accessibility, price, and getting people in there without getting and showing him how to get deeper into shmups without skimming the surface by quarter feeding and what all this is about and the, the skill focus of it and i think those are the qualities that i found in crimson clover if someone were to ask me hey i I'm, want to get into shmups what would i go to i would point him over to crimson clover it's cheap enough that most people can get it for a couple bucks it has several modes that will get you accustomed to what should be. And then if you really want to go crazy, you can play the, um, was it Maniac mode? I'm trying to think of the exact mode. but Oh yeah, Maniac there. mode. And the Maniac mode in there will kick your, kick your butt really fast. But it, it was nice to see a lot of progression. The price was right, and the gameplay is on par with what you get in a cave game. And most people who are going to start, you don't want to tell them, hey, you could try Dodonpachi or Donpachi, or maybe you see Mushi, and Mushi is the flashy game right now, when Mushi is a great, great game. Don't get me wrong. But it's not something I would recommend to a beginner. <laughs> Mushi or uh, Esperade, 
on there. I know that they have the, those easy modes, and they're trying to get more people to get accustomed to this. But if if we want to get some, somebody uh, get started and then start learning deeper into the mechanics, for me, it, it, it's all about Crimson Clover. The soundtrack is great. The mechanics are great about the, with the breaking, you know, to increase your score. That it, it is with the, you move. Or should I say, almost a Damaku staple, right? Because Ghostblade copied even this. You had your regular fast shot, and then you had your break shot or your powerful shot. There, in just the back and forth with shooting the popcorn enemies, there does a really good job of bringing forth what Cave brought up in Ketsui. And as you had brought up in your earlier post, it's very well designed by somebody who knows what other Damaku players want. And I hope to see a follow-up to this someday, but if anyone ever asks me what shmup should I start with, I'm going to refer them over to Crimson Clover. Yeah, it's it's a good choice, and I think just the wealth of modes and available options in the game really, really help to open it up so that it's more accessible to more people. I mean, the novice mode is no slouch, but being someone who comes in with very little Danmaku experience when we started playing this last year, and I was able to clear novice mode within a couple of weeks or so. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, it really is uh, a game that is easy to pick up, relatively easy to learn. It has some cool mechanics, and yeah, it's just really, really well designed and executed. Yeah, and if you take a look at a game that received a lot of praise last year, which was Devil Engine, here it has about the same aesthetic on there. The music is definitely on par, but I th- I would have to say that Devil Engine punishes people really quickly and then sort of may- laughs at you in some way for being like, hey, let's try easy mode. <laughs> I, 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 You know, it's sort of... A little bit of a slap in the face for people. People like to get that feeling of progression and that sense of accomplishment. I think Crimson Clover does an excellent job of continuously doling out rewards. You know, so like with the uh, giving uh, pellets to a rooster so it performs action or maybe giving treats to a dog. You feel a good progression. You don't feel like you're being hit up against a wall all the time. Right. And... And it has a good difficulty curve as well. Yes. And there is, as we mentioned there, with the Maniac mode or even the Score Attack mode and starting off with the Novice mode on there and with the three different ships that you can choose from. Each one of those ships, well, four technically, but each one of those ships feels unique and has enough to differentiate it from the the rest. It doesn't feel like you're doing a pallet swap. Right. So what do you what do you think of 2019? Did you enjoy most of the shmups that we played, or? Yeah, I think overall I did. Um, you know, looking back at at uh, the games during the course of of the year, I think uh, there are a couple that I probably won't revisit anytime soon. You know, some Auto of it Medias. is well, yeah, Automedius is one that I I may not revisit soon. Uh, of course, we we just played that in December, so you know it's it's a little bit soon already. But 
Uh, Tiger Heli is another one I probably won't revisit soon. I probably won't go back to the original Ghost Blade on Dreamcast because I got, you know, I got my clear on that. Yeah, you can put that in Tate mode and then you can count the frames. Yeah. I could see myself going back to Xanak Neo, but I don't see myself spending a whole lot of extra time with the original Xanak. And I think I got my fill on Zaxxon, at least for now. I mean, I, I was able to get a reasonably high score with it and get through multiple loops. So I feel like I played that enough to, to really get get what I wanted out of it. It's kind of the same with Blazing Lasers. I don't see myself going back and trying it on the higher difficulties. But I, did, I didn't get the clear on Nitrous Oxide. My score submission on uh, Twin Galaxies is still in limbo. There's been no comments on it for over a month. So I have no idea if anybody's gonna gonna go for that. I could see myself going back to Gradius 3 on Super NES again, just to see if I could get back to, you know, where I was at, finally get those walkers figured out, and then, you know, progress to the end of the game. I think it's called Rika's. Okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, I've yes. Yes. Yeah, and I definitely want to... I definitely want to go back to Crimson Clover. Uh, I'd still like to get a legit clear on Einhander. And of course, you know, I didn't clear Thunder Force 4 on the normal difficulty during the course of the month. I got close, but I, I didn't make it. So I definitely want to go back to that one and and try to clear the, you know, the Japanese version and see if I can make that happen. What about you? Yeah, I definitely will be going back to Gradius 3. Einhander, as I mentioned, is an evergreen, so I'll be going back to that. Blazing Lasers, although I definitely like it, I will probably not go back to it until probably like 2022 or something like that. It needs a couple of years before I go back to it. Strikers 1945, I will probably go back to at some, some point on there. It's enough of a quick pickup and play game that I could see... Even playing it for, you know, 10 or 15 minutes would be fine. Uh, Thunder Force 4 is a game that requires commitment. And you gotta sit down and play it. So if I do, it's gonna be when I actually have some time. Maybe as it gets closer to summer, I might try it again. Xanic Neo, I will definitely head back to. Uh, same thing with Crimson Clover on there. Now that I've got a little bit more Don Maku experience under my belt, or I should say Ketsui training... I want to head back to that. Uh, Tiger Heli is a game that I will not be heading back to. I just It's one of those things where you see it for historical significance. You're glad you tried it. But the sequels are just so much better that you're like, eh, no. Right. Even though I have to say, if it, you get a chance to try out the PS1 version of uh, with the alternate soundtrack on there. Oh, right. Uh, N2O is one that I liked it, but I don't see myself ever busting out or, or trying out that often maybe in a couple of years but there's so much that's on the to-do list here it's it would take a lot to get me to go back to that game <clears throat> let's see here Otomedius I liked it but it was just too as we mentioned the quirky graphics were not overcome by the gameplay which just led to everything being a bit uh, not skeezy, but uh, 
just under part. Ghostblade, I like Ghostblade HD. Maybe I'll give it another swing on the Switch, but it, if it doesn't have Sarah's soundtrack in it, I'm out. Sure. And I, th- I don't think I'm forgetting anything, am I? Well, you kind of already said in the Zaxxon episode that you probably wouldn't be going back to that. No, although if someone busts out the board game or one of those tabletop handhelds, I'll, I'll give it a try. <laughs> there you go. You give me a Zaxxon wristwatch, and I'll definitely give it a shot. I'm always curious to try different versions and different stuff on there. Give a wider breadth to my knowledge here. Absolutely. Alrighty. Well, as we record this, we're coming up toward the end of January. And, of course, that means at the end of our uh, of our single month focus on Ketsui. But remember that we are playing Ketsui throughout the year, and uh, we'll be kind of trying to keep everyone up to date in terms of the scores and where everyone's at. Uh, we will be mentioning where the scoring is at at the uh, during the January episode or the February episode, where we'll be highlighting Ketsui and talking about that more at length. But uh, if you haven't joined that yet, or you wanna, or you're playing Ketsui already. You might as well submit some scores. So make sure to hit us up on rfgeneration.com and sign up there. Or check out our Discord and uh, post your scores in our Discord channel. Or you can also uh, check us out on Twitter at ShootCoreCast and tweet at us with the hashtag RFGShmupClub included so that uh, we can we can count your score submission and get that in the list. Yep, and if you've seen Fro's copy of Grid Seeker, please let him know and tweet at him as well. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, anything else that we uh, should mention to wrap up 2019? Uh, I'd just like to thank everybody who participated and thank everybody who's participating now as well as listening. We appreciate it. And as always, we hope you. Join us in the future for delving into shmups and learning more about the genre. Absolutely. As always, we'd like to do a shout out to Sarah Flash of Studio Mudprints slash Bullet Heaven for the logo. Kogusu for the intro and outro music. Everybody at R of Gen and the R of Gen playcast. Everybody who participated in the 2019 R of Gen NES challenge. Don't forget to watch Metal Fro. Uh, Stream his way through some very interesting shmups in the game of the month. Yes, and uh, I know I've done this two episodes in a row now, but I have to shout out Duke Togo from the Collector Cast because he uh, there was a game store in his area that was closing, and they were basically offering all their stock at one point for 75% off. And so he hooked me up with a bunch of cool stuff, including some new shmups that I didn't already have in my collection. A couple of which, well, one of which is a relatively common game that I just never see in my area, and the other of which I only just got introduced to last year by Easy Racer. I knew of it, but hadn't had a chance to play it. And so I'm excited to to get these in the collection and maybe give these a, a shot here pretty soon. I like Duke. One thing I have learned, though, never challenge him on trivia. Is he a bit of a whiz? Oh, man. Yeah, he 
He nailed it every single time on the uh, NARC podcast. Never, ever <laughs> challenge him to trivia. All right. I'll, I'll have to remember that. Well, if you'd like to connect with us, uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at ShootCourtCast. And you can also follow me directly at GameBoyGuru. Uh, again, check out my streams, twitch.tv slash GuruGameBoy, where I will be streaming the Shmup Club Game of the Month, among other things. You can uh, join RFGeneration.com for free and come join us in one of the Shmup Club playthroughs. Also, make sure you, you subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your preferred platform. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. And we also generally put the latest episode up on SoundCloud. And again, uh, you can also join the RF Generation Discord channel, which is linked at uh, rfgeneration.com there on the front page. And we do have a dedicated Shoot the Corecast topic, and you can come in there and discuss the podcast post screenshots of your scores and talk about the games that we're playing and shmups in general. Anything else we need to hit on before we take off? No, I think we've covered it. Alrighty. Well, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for making 2019 a great year for the shmup club. And, uh, we look forward to all the games in 2020. 